Welcome to Trust Your Body podcast. We will discuss teams from embodiment to mental health and explore how enhancing trust and building the relationship you have with your body will guide you towards finding the answers that you seek. I'm your host, Anthony Claffey, and I will interview people from various walks of life to share their knowledge and wisdom they have gained on their personal journeys. We will share how you can learn to listen to your body, understand what it's saying, and by learning to trust it, you can transform your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have Anthony Cooley. Anthony is a mental health advocate, runs a podcast in Australia called Two Boys Later, and he is a personal friend of mine. We grew up together and it's been 10 years since we last spoke and I was on Anthony's podcast three, four weeks ago. I reckon it was about, yeah, about a month ago. Yeah. It's about a month yeah. ago. And I just want to share my gratitude to Anthony for being the inspiration for me to actually start my own podcast because it was something I put off for a long time. And then when you invited me onto your podcast, it was a catalyst for me. So I really appreciate that. And um, thank you very much for reaching out. And um, I think it's, it's, it's rekindled a relationship that we've had from donkeys years ago. So yeah. uh, that's been amazing. So thank you very much. Oh, that's awesome to hear. It's, um, that's the idea is to try and, I guess, play some role in, in, in inspiring others to do what they should, I guess. So it's, it's good to hear that you got something out of it. And thanks for coming on. It was awesome. Yeah. Awesome, man. So I ask everyone, first question is, what does it mean for you to trust your body? Mm, so what I've learned, I reckon, in the last... Probably the last 10 years, uh, the, the time I've been in Australia, trust and trust your body and what it's capable of, I think is a big one for me. So I've realized that our bodies are capable of way more than our mind thinks. And that's probably the big one for me. I've learned to trust, whether it's an event I'm doing or whatever it is, I've learned to have faith in it and know that it's got the ability to go way beyond what I think it, what, what I think it is. And when it comes to like endurance events, which is what I'm kind of moving into now, that plays a massive role. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think what's, I don't know what's developed that belief or, or trust in it, I suppose, um, over time, whether it's, through doing, you know, you, you kind of see something or see someone do something that you think is amazing. And then you achieve that same thing. And you kind of think back and you go, I used to think that was amazing. But when, when you do it yourself, you kind of think, Oh, that was all right. Like, you know, I've had that experience so many times where I do something that I thought was amazing at one point in my life. And then I achieve it. And then you kind of go, where can I go from here? Like if I can do that, when I thought at one point I could do, I couldn't do it. And now you tick it off the list. The way my mind thinks is, all right, where can I go from here? Or how far can I push it? Yeah. So yeah, I think trust and what it's capable of or trust in what it's capable of is, is, is what I think is, is important. And if you can yeah, develop that, um, sense of knowing your body and and what and trial it you know get out and trial whether it be for me when I, when I started out like running for example 5k was difficult and my body found 
5k difficult or at least i thought my body found 5k difficult and then through persistence through training all of a sudden 5k doesn't feel that bad anymore and now i can maybe do 10k so i suppose it's you think what you think your body's capable of it's capable of way more yeah i used to when i was a lot like teenage age had a fascination with a handstand and i again was very similar to you i used to think it was this elusive I can't do that. You know, it's only for gymnasts um, on, until I actually went through the process of learning how to do it. I went, oh, well, actually, it's, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering for you, was there, you, you've gone into running now and more endurance events and mm. what, what kind of led you to down that path? I suppose, and it's, it's weird. The way I'll put it is, my, my mindset's definitely changed. It's changed massively in the last, you know, five or six years, especially. And I, I've been trying to pinpoint, you know, what it is that's changed. That's, I suppose, given me this positive outlook on life and, and this ability to, to almost think that I'm capable of anything, to be honest, without sounding ridiculous. I just think that if, you, if people apply or if I apply myself to a particular thing, I've no doubt in my mind, whether it's right or not, but in my mind, I think mm. that if I, if I apply the correct amount of time to that activity or whatever it is, I'll do well at it. It's just then whether I bother to do that or not. So I think for me, it was first I, I started to develop that mindset and then it was kind of a case of, yeah, where, where, where does it go from here? Like mm. where, like how, how, what can I do, you know? And then everything I went into, I went into a hundred percent and all the people that know me in Australia know that's what I'm like. You know, if I start something, I'll go in a hundred percent. And then sometimes it might work out and I might enjoy it and I'll, I won't do it anymore. But in my head, I thought, well, you know, life's short. Why not just try everything? Mm. And see what clicks and i think that's probably the trap a lot of people might may fall into is you know they follow the trend or get stuck in that easy life where you know a challenge or something that's a bit unusual um that may put a focus on them and may um generate outside judgment they just choose not to do it because it, it just might feel a bit uncomfortable or get you out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. um whereas for me i just started to not care I just didn't care what anyone thought. I just thought, I'm just going to do it. And if I fail at it or if I'm not good at it, it's still an experience that I've tried. And if I don't enjoy it, then I'll move on to the next thing. And mm. I just, I, I remember my sister-in-law saying to me, you know, when you feel like shit, you really feel like shit. But when you feel good, why do you never feel like you could do anything? She said to me, and I said, I do. So that's how I feel. Like when I'm feeling good, I feel like if I, if I actually applied myself to whatever it is that you, you, you can do anything. And it sounds a bit cliche to say that, you know, like if you put your mind to it, you can achieve whatever you want. But I honestly think there's some truth to it. Um, and I think that it's just getting the confidence to to go after these things and and not care not not really care what other people's judgment is mm. and, and just doing it yeah um it's like that yeah. process of self-mastery isn't it like robert mm. green green talks about that in his book and 
I resonate with a lot of what you're saying because I value that process of self-mastery, knowing we're never going to achieve the end product, but we'll always mm. be on the journey. Um, yeah. And it actually sounds like you have, you can kind of see yourself on that journey and that you're willing to try things and put yourself out there in order yeah. to gain more experience and actually upskill yourself in, in certain areas. And yeah. that, that's developed in the relationship you have with yourself as a human and yeah. also what you share out in the world as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think moving is a played a big role because yeah. when we moved, it was 10 years ago, Ireland, it can be, it's very specific, you know, or it's changing now, but then it was still kind of, you know, everyone kind of done the same thing. It was and not everybody, but you know, if it's easy to fall into the trap of doing the same thing every week and, yes. and it's a comfortable life and you kind of just, you just move, move with the times. We tend to judge, judge people a lot as well and judge people that maybe do something a little bit different. And when I moved and seen like the different cultures and the different religions and the different methods of doing things and you kind of start to think, hang on, maybe, maybe the way we do things isn't just the only way, you know, you, you see there's different ways to do things and different ways to think. And that was big for me as well. I think, um, mm. I don't think I, and look, I could be wrong, but I don't think I'd be in the same mindset as I am now if I hadn't have made that move and, and changed things. And yeah, the, the, we spoke about it on, on when, I, when we done my podcast and the change in myself from like, you know, 10, 15 years ago to now is just incredible. Like even, yeah. even you know, the first three years of being in Australia, the, 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 the change um, since then even has been massive. Yeah, yeah. Very similar, but very similar. Mm. Because I, I, I was two years before you, I think I went to Australia and being there was a, a turning point in my life, uh, no doubt. And that's coming on 13 years now. I came home from Australia with the group of friends that we have and they were like, who's your man? Yeah. Because everything was so different. My family said it. Um, and when we got back to Dublin, I ended up moving to Cork. I actually loved living in Cork because it yeah. felt like I was still away from home again. Um, yeah. And we lived there for two years. And that was nearly a period of me having to tr transition back into Irish life, which yeah. made me again question, are we really doing the things I want to be doing? Um, mm. And I went through the, the very similar process. And I'm wondering for you, like to decide to move to Australia, what was the, how did that come about? So you are, you and Neve were together in Ireland yeah, and, and you moved to Australia and got married and had the two boys then. Yeah. Yeah. So we were in Australia in 2008 and we came out for Neve's sister's wedding. And she, when we were out here, we said, we loved it. Like and I always had a fascination with Australia just because it was on the opposite side of the world and wanted to go there. So when we came here, we both said, oh, look, this is, this is good. I think we should move here. And we actually said, let's say two years and we'll move. And it was almost two years to the day as when we said it, that we moved out. And um, it was just, initially it was just a trial like most people do. You know, we came out, um, I think we came out, just on a temporary visa, I think it was at the time. 
and everything just kind of fell into place initially and more so for Nave, I think. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with I'm electrician and the, the process of changing over your license from your Irish license yeah, to yeah. the Australian one is quite a long process and yeah. it's a real pain to do. So I, I started that process and I remember the first six months I found quite tough um, and probably like to touch on, I suppose, mental health, given it's what I kind of talk about on my podcast, that was probably one of three times in my life that I had quite severe depression, I would say. Um, just because it felt like nothing was going right. You know, we moved out. It was really difficult to get the license. In turn, it was difficult to get work. At that stage, there was the pressure of getting a visa then because we, we wanted to stay, you know. So it was the the idea was to get a visa on, on my trade. And it just felt like nothing was going right, you know. And I, I, all it took, and I was I was quite... I was quite down, like I was struggling, like I was struggling to get out of bed on certain days and thought this isn't good. But all it took was one little thing to go right, um, which was the license. So eventually after doing the exams and you've got to go through the process of getting the each individual module and then put it all together and apply for the license, eventually I got it. Mm-hmm. And when I got that, things just turned. Like it just felt like, oh, right, I've got that. That'll give me something to focus on. And then, you know, three months later, I was, I was in a completely different place. And just that one little positive thing that happened, kind of, yeah, just changed my my mindset and gave me that little bit of a kick to push on. I then got a job in the electrical industry, and then got a job with a really good company who I still work with now. Um, develop great friends out of it and it just all fell into place but you know it wasn't easy that that initial six months wasn't easy it was um it was definitely a challenge and i kind of see that that formulates a lot even in everyday life you know when you start something new or if you start a new job or whatever it may be it's never easy you know there's always that adjustment period and it's getting past that adjustment period and then you kind of start to roll and see the positives of what you've done um and it's similar for exercise you know like yeah anyone that's just starting out they're looking at you know and social media plays a big role like they're looking at people that are achieving these amazing things and they're starting out and it can be tough because they're thinking how am i ever going to get to that point i'm starting down here they're up there and it's getting over that first little stage of all right get into my training um, stay consistent and then you start to see the positives and then it kind of rolls on um so yeah from i suppose once i got the license things started to to move for us neve actually ended up getting the the our visa our first initial visa through um vic uni here in melbourne um so that took the pressure off massively um and then from there yeah like we were just i don't i don't want to say it was luck because we we tried we pushed for everything that we ended up getting and we were kind of persistent and um but i think it just worked then and then there was no turning back you know it felt it felt like home very quickly then and it was 
almost a opportunity to to start over again and like be maybe be the person that I suppose I always was, but you know, circumstances didn't allow you to be. Um, and I think, I honestly think that was, that that's what happened with me. You know, like I calmed down a lot and I think having the boys played a big role in that and that, you know, that false aggression that I used to have and that, you know, that this idea that I'm tough or something like that, you know, and, that just disappeared and it was just, I didn't give it, I didn't care about that anymore. You know, none, none of that was relevant because none yeah. of that was, was going to make me happy. Like, um, yeah. and then I just, yeah, just, it built from there. And then in the last two years, I kind of took a step back and going, how have I actually gotten to a point where I, I, I am like this. And that's what made me start to question, you know, when people around me were struggling a little bit and I wanted to know how to help. And then I started to question, well, how did I get into the, the mental headspace that I'm in now? And if I could figure that out, you know, I could potentially pass that information on. But unfortunately, I honestly don't know what it is. I don't know what, what's changed, whether it's um, a sequence of events that's happened over the last couple of years or what it is, but I'm grateful for it, whatever it is. Just so much that came came into my head listening to you uh, of how similar we were, because yeah. in terms of the, I had, I, I suppose you'd call it lots of a high level of aggression, um, yeah. it, particularly into my teens until I left Ireland and went to Australia, and I've always wondered where that came from, because when people see me now, they're oh you're so calm and whatnot, mm. you know, um, and and similar to what you said about becoming the person who who you wanted to be or probably already were or just yeah couldn't express yourself the way we 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 wanted to at the time in Ireland at the, at that time you know mental health was you know a faux pas discussion particularly amongst men and mm. you know we just kept our mouth shut and you know done what we were told because that's what everyone else done um, yeah. and when I when I think of it now every, every one of us has mental health because mm. we all have a brain and a body um, and we, we occupy this thing so we all need to look after it in certain ways and even yeah. the phrase mental health um doesn't really underpin that we're just actually just looking after ourselves. Yeah. And it sounds listening to you that you have become very aware of that process and actively being willing to engage in it and saying, you know, I'm going to do something about mm. this and learn who I am and want yeah. to, to, to master whatever this is that, that, that we're here for, you know, yeah. for you, did that awareness was it the move to Australia that kind of started to get, give you time to sit back and kind of digest and process things easier then? And was that the kind of inception for um, becoming more of an ad- advocate towards mental health? I don't know if it was the move. I think it was more the my environment changed. You know, like when you're when you're in a particular environment for your whole life, and then that environment changes completely when nobody knows you the, the pressures of acting a certain way maybe that you've always acted this way that's all gone mm-hmm. and like i said you know you have the opportunity to start again and and feel like and just be the person that you want to be and i think the mental health side of it came 
much later, much more recently um, in terms of the last two or three years of being really aware of, of mental health and, and my own mental health. And what you said there actually was interesting about having, we all have mental health. The, the trend of call, calling it mental health issues is actually changing now to men, mental ill health, which probably lines up with what you just said, you know, mental health and mental ill health mm-hmm. is pretty much what people suffer. And yeah, with, with, for me, it was, it's, it's a touch of everything, I suppose, with mental health, you know, anxiety, depression, although with anxiety, I had an interesting conversation with Dane Barkley, who was a psychologist I had on, he explained it quite well in that anxiety is a very normal thing to have it's your ability to to deal with anxiety is where it builds and where, where it creates a problem and i think what's happened to me is i've just been able to recognize when i'm anxious or recognize when things aren't going my way and i'll see it as a bit of a struggle and what am i going to do here this is such a massive problem and now what I've started to do is I use perspective a lot. Like I'll, and it's not going to work for everybody. It's just what's worked for me is I just think really, is this that big of a deal that I should be stressing myself about it and affecting my kids and my wife and myself because of this issue? Or is this an issue that can just like, I can just deal with it and, deal with it now and then it's gone and realistically unless it's some sort of health issue most issues are those types of issues you know issues that we probably shouldn't really worry that much about um and i suppose for me as well like you know for a long long time death was a big one for me like i it it created a lot of fear and it came up a lot in my head. Like, you know, I just randomly think, you know, about dying, which is probably very common for a lot of people. Mm. And I think for me, for whatever reason in the last few years as well, I've just, I've realized that we're so lucky to get the opportunity to live. So I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to enjoy what I have now, the time I have now, whatever it is, who knows, but I'm just going to enjoy it. What's the point in stressing about it? What's the point in worrying, you know, like, and that's what I go back to. So every time I, and it's not easy, like, you know, it's, I've had moments recently and I just have to take a minute, like, you know, I have to take a minute to go, fuck, just relax, relax. It's not worth stressing about. And then just appreciating the little moments. Like I've, I've been busy lately in the last two days and, um, so tonight I came home and Neve went to work and I had the boys and work was quite busy today. So I got home and I'm still taking phone calls and the boys are playing and I'm making dinner and I'm not paying them. I'm not paying them a lot of attention. You know, I'm trying to get through what I'm doing and I'm on the phone and I got to about an hour before they were going to bed and I thought like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just, you know, I kept telling oh, try and be quiet, try and be quiet. You know, I'm on the phone and I ended up going in and reads four and Arlo's 18 months. And I just went in and I said, Oh, and I spoke to them like adults, you know, I said, I just want to apologize. I said, I haven't paid you a lot of attention, 
and it's not good enough. And I sat down with them and we had a bit of a cuddle and watch TV. And afterwards I just felt better. I just felt better because I'd acknowledged, you know, what I was doing. And I said to them, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm sorry for, for being that way. I'm sorry for not paying you attention. And it just, I just felt immediately just felt better after doing it. So I think it's taking that moment to recognize, all right, hang on, what am I doing here? Is this important? What is important? And then go on with what is important as opposed to what you think is important. I love that, mate. Love it. Mm. Um, I think it's, it, it's six or seven years now. I read a book called uh, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers by Robert Sapolsky. And in, in that, he talked heavily about the stress response. One of the things that highlighted for me was the stressors I had in my life. And one of the simplest things I ever done was realize that the radio in my car used to drive me nuts, but I wasn't aware mm. of it. And I don't mind listening to music, but I don't like all the yapping that's in between. Yeah. So I, I just started to become aware that when all that yapping started, I used to be squeezing the steering wheel and my driving would be a little bit more on the aggressive side and I'd have no empathy yeah. for other people. And then yeah. one day, traffic, and I was like, that fucking radio. And I turned it off and was stuck for one hour and it was the most peaceful drive I ever had. And I just yeah. sat and observed people looking out the window and, oh, you know, and realized I really enjoy people watching. And yeah. it, it turned into a, an experiment for two weeks, so no radio for two weeks. And the driving style completely changed. I became more empathetic. I, yeah. you know, in Ireland, people seem to not understand cars have indicators and you're yeah. supposed to use them on roundabouts. Yeah. <laughs> and instead, you know, the normal response was, fuck you and give out. And, and now just, oh, yeah. that person could have left their kid at home or lost their keys or, you know, was yeah. late for work, et cetera. And so that, that made me really aware. So mm. after two weeks, turned it back on again and I went, no, I don't want this. Yeah. So it's been six or seven years and I, I, I still drive in complete silence regardless yeah. of the duration of the drive. And yeah. if someone gets into the car at me, I tell them either speak to me or sit in silence, but I yeah. don't care which one I'm happy to actually yeah. stay completely quiet. Yeah. And it made me aware that I actually value silence. Um, yeah. and I enjoy having the time to be silent. Yeah. Why I go out with a deaf woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But one of the, one of the, the habits that I have now is I absolutely love the morning time. And yeah. I, I'm an early riser. Nolene yeah. stays in bed late, like eight, yeah. eight or nine o'clock is late to me. Um, and yeah. so I'd be up at six. And to me, that's my time um, to be in silence, to yeah. make sure my mental health is on point, to make sure I'm looking mm -hmm. after myself. And I'm wondering, do you have a similar, um, like, is there things that you do? I know you mentioned when, you know, say the stress response comes up and something is happening that you're, you have the ability to kind of step back and, and observe and look at things and um yeah. but it, do you implement other habits throughout your day or yeah visualize massive for me and i've only realized this recently is i do something similar to you but i don't switch off so i'll not all, not all the time but i'll every now and then i'll drive with no noise at all mm -hmm. and i'll i visualize and I, i've asked a few people about this as to is it common? How many people do it? Because I started to think, you know, 
and visualizing with great detail as well. Like, you know, I, I told my wife one night, I, what I was visualizing and to down to the finest details. And it could be just something that you want to achieve. Um, like the way you see things going, even that day, like if I'm going somewhere in the car and I have, if I'm planning on doing a job or I have a meeting or whatever it is, I'll start to visualize the conversation, how it will go, what someone might say, what will I say to that? I just, I realized in the last two or three years that I do it all the time. Like it's, and I still don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but there's times where I'll be driving and, you know, I'll get to the end of a two hour drive and I'll be kind of like, what was I thinking about that whole time? I'll be just in my, in my own head kind of, and there's a lot of the time it's just silly things, you know, like I'll be visualizing like an event that I want to do and how well I'll do in that event and the end of the, the, the race or whatever it is and what it'll feel like and how I'm going to run across the finish line and mm. just silly things. But they're almost like you're creating a little movie in your head, I suppose, or using your imagination. Mm. Um, and that's something that I've, that I've realized I do. And I'm like, maybe I'm, I'm a bit crazy. I don't know, but it's, um, it seems to work for me. And then with, with this stress, dealing with stress, I think I've realized a little bit. I enjoy, I enjoy having a lot to do. Mm. Um, I enjoy the idea of, and again, I, I haven't quite worked out if, if, if this is a positive thing for me or if it's something that, you know, I probably should look at and that I always need to have something to do. And I, I tend to think that it's probably a, not an issue, but probably something that I should look at a bit, a bit closer and that I, at times I'll struggle to, you know, sit down and, and actually switch off completely. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's always kind of, how can I use my time valuably here as opposed to realizing that doing nothing and switching off is just as valuable to me as what I think is, what I think is valuable in my own head, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, de dealing with stress, I think like anyone, I struggle with it, like, but I've realized that perspective has helped me a lot. And to a, a, a funny little story, uh, which happened about two months ago at Reed, Reed loves my son, my oldest son, Reed loves dinosaurs. And we were in, it, we were doing story time before bed and he, we, I had this dinosaur book and I learned heaps about dinosaurs just because of these little kids books. <laughs> and, um, we were reading through and I think it was the Triassic period, which was like 65 million years ago. And we, we finished the book and I came, put him to bed, gave him a kiss and came outside. And for some reason it stuck in my head that night that, 65 million years ago was when the last of the dinosaurs died. And it just made me think about the fact that if we're lucky, we get to live, you know, 90, 100 years or whatever it is, how minuscule that is in comparison to how long the earth has been around. And I just thought, if my little 100 years it can never be that big of a deal. Anything that happens in my hundred years, or if I'm lucky, you know, 
it just can't be that much to worry about. So I go back to that a little bit now. Recently, I've started to think, you know, like I'm just not going to stress about this because I, I get a hundred years and then that's it. <laughs> so I'm not going to waste any of my time worrying about that. And that's probably a little tool that very recently, like, you know, in the last few months I've started to use as well mm-hmm. and it, it helps, but it's not easy. Like, and you know, I've got friends and family that, that struggle with their own issues and it's, it's different for everyone. There is no template. Um, and that's why the, the conversations I have on the podcast are, I try and give a different angle, mm-hmm. um, which will hopefully some of those will resonate with some people and some will resonate with others. And hopefully over the course of the, the time the podcast runs, it'll tick off little boxes for people here and here and there and make them realize, you know, they're not, I suppose they're not the only ones that feel, feel that way. And then Mm -hmm. make them realize that it's okay to talk about how they feel as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a great attitude to have. Um, and it's quite inspiring to listen to. It's a real person. Um, yeah. Being able, and it's, it's, so it's very relatable. Yeah. Um, Again, I keep, as I'm listening to you, I can, I can hear you, you're, you've actually learned to communicate with yourself um, Mm. and to, to really be able to tune in. And I I know for me, it was something I had to relearn. Um, I I remember meeting Nolene in Australia. Like that was, you know, I didn't know sign language at the time and I had to start to learn to listen again, but I was listening with my eyes and learned to communicate Mm. that way. And it kind of highlighted for me that I never really listened to myself. I just done what everyone else done because yeah. that's what we were told to do, you know? Um, mm. And that kind of started to bring me backwards to when I was younger and it was probably made more sense to me while I was always cheeky and trying to break rules and so on and so yeah. forth. Um, yeah. But it, it really sounds like you've, you've tuned into that um, mm. and, and taken the time to develop that. And now you've, created your podcast which is called two boys later and is that yeah. to do with the, the two lads or was this yeah. something that was already kind of primed in your head and ready to go and you know no, becoming it, a father? Yeah, it, it was it was you know anyone that has kids will know that the time constraints that arrive and i still think back now what did we used to do when we didn't have kids? You know, like we just didn't make use of our time at all. Um, but then when you have them and it's amazing and it's different and it's not easy and, you know, uh, the perspective that gets put out into the social media world sometimes, you know, doesn't display how difficult it is. Um, but it's, it's just so different and, it takes about two, well, it took me, you know, two or three years or just, just this year really to adjust and, and understand how to manage it. And the, the idea of two boys later was, you know, two boys later. Now I feel like I can take on a new challenge or do something a bit different and, um, start to you know, explore new things. And, and that was where that name, came, where the name came from. Um, there was another name that I had, but it was actually taken. But I prefer, I prefer two boys later. I think it's it works better now, and it links better, it links well into my mindset at the time and mm-hmm. um, and our circumstances and how it was changing. But 
yeah, it, it was a whirlwind and eventually you never, I suppose you never get, there's a new challenge all the time with having kids and it's, um, yeah, it's amazing and tough. Um, but I, yeah, wouldn't change it for the world. Like it's yeah, incredible. It's another layer you just learn to adapt to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, well, you've got two humans that re- rely on you, you know, like, and it's, um, and just seeing them develop as well and seeing how their mind, how, how, like Reed, who's the older one, he, he's a real thinker, you know, and he asks really logical questions to a point that I'm like, I'm impressed by that. Like, you know, he's, he's, he actually, he, he thinks about things and he'll, he'll, um, yeah, he, you can tell when he asks the question that he's actually put a couple of things together and tried to work it out and then gone, hang on, that doesn't make sense. Or he'll, and he'll, he's already questioning things, which I think is amazing, you know, at that age yeah, yeah. That, that they start to do that so young. Um, and I suppose it, you also, you think about how you're, how the effect that you're having on them, you know, that imprinting that, that you're doing and am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? I've deliberately never much to my wife's anger, never read a book on parenting um, deliberately just no interest because I've realized that there isn't what works for some one person doesn't work for someone else. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at, there could be a hundred books and they'll have a hundred different opinions, which is all they are, you know, opinions on how to parent a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just try and just do what feels right. And, yeah. you know, sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. Um, but at least they get the balance. And then with their mom, they have a parent who actually, you know, looks into it and finds out what the right thing is and she'll balance it out then. But that's, that's what I try and do. I just try and, do what feels right and and hope that you know you're you're guiding them in the right direction and letting them become their own person as well which is just as important that's your innate trust you're actually innately trusting your body to know what to do and um you're innately trusting yourself to to be the parent you'll be and Mm. i i don't have kids but i'm fascinated by their intelligence Mm. and the autonomy the autonomy they have at that age mm. and their curiosity and it always reminds me of we were born with that innate curiosity to question things and you know seek answers and kind of just do what we want and move around when we want and you know um and i always use the analogy of kids moving around freely and then we've grown adults who are afraid to bend over and tie their shoelaces and the kids are just you know balls of jelly at that age yeah yet they haven't even considered i have bones you know they mm. just do it yeah um yeah fascinates me fascinates yeah. me oh they're inspiring you know you you look at them and you like they're they're inspiring them and so much more resilient than you would ever imagine as well mm-hmm. and i know resilience gets trapped that word gets thrown around a lot lately especially around the the mental health conversation and but it is if there was one trait that i would want to pass on to my um two boys is the ability to when i think of resilience i think of adaptability Mm -hmm. which 
I think is, is probably my strength, really. I'm, I'm quite adaptable. So you can throw me into whatever situation and I'll just find a way to either get out of it or manage it or whatever it is. Um, and I think if I was to pick one trait to try and pass on to my boys, it would be, yeah, that ability to, to just adapt to different scenarios and, and not let it get you bogged down and, and, you know, just think, always think that you, you can find a way to, to get out of the situation that you're in and, and going back to what we said at the start, you know, trust yourself, trust your ability to, to get yourself out of that situation and, and believe in yourself, you know, self-confidence is such a massive issue with people like, you know, and wherever that comes from that, you know, putting themselves down and issues and not, not feeling like they can achieve these things that they want to achieve or even try them, you know, um, for me, yeah. And look, I was like that a hundred percent. And for me, yeah, it's just not giving a shit. There's a book that I read, um, uh, oh, it's a while ago. I think it's the art of not giving a fuck. And it was just so simple that the things that they say in it are so simple. And look, maybe a lot of this, a lot of the stuff that you read and you, podcasts have been a mas- massive one for me, you know, from, a learning tool I've used mm-hmm. and audio books as well have been amazing. Um, and maybe you take in more than you actually realize and that they slowly kind of change your perspective on things. Um, but yeah, just, yeah, not giving a shit and mm-hmm. just give it a crack and it doesn't work. doesn't work. Move on to the next thing, but That's use it. your yeah. life, you know, use the time that you have and um, yeah, just uh, use it wisely. I love that, mate. I love it. And speaking mm-hmm. of podcasts, um, I've actually listened to your podcast since I've heard about it. Um, and for everyone out there, just let us know where it is because it's actually a really, really good resource. Um, it's yeah. really easy to listen and really good to listen. Um, and I absolutely love your intro, which is, yeah. is it your, your eldest boy, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. Really. It's amazing. He, do- he does that all the time. Every time we come out to where I've got the mic set up, he he'll get on the mic and he'll do it and he sounds exactly as he sounds on the intro he sounds like that every time he does it he's it's perfect every time yeah. he does it but he, he loves it he um yeah, he he knows what, I, what i'm doing he'll always say oh who did you chat to this time and he wants to know yeah um but yeah it's look for me the podcast has been fantastic it's i've learned so much from doing it from everyone i've had on I've learned how to sit down and actually have a real conversation with people, which I realized I'd never done. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned how to listen, which again, realized that I'm, I was a shit listener, like just didn't pay enough attention to the responses in a conversation that I was getting. And then just listening to people's perspectives on things and hearing different perspectives to yours. is So important. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just you said empathy, being able to empathize with, with other people's scenarios and, and situations and putting yourself in their shoes and then being grateful for the shoes that you're in, I suppose, as well. Um, mm. Because for a lot of us, you know, life isn't that bad. Um, it, could be a hell of, it could be a hell of a lot worse. Um, yeah, and yeah. Again, it's it's easy to say that when you're feeling down and feeling shit, it's not what you want to hear. 
Um, but in my head, you know, I just think I try and use that and it, it helps me. I try and just think, oh, look, it could be worse. It's mm-hmm. shit at the minute. It could be a hell of a lot worse. So let's just find a way around it. Yeah. Yeah. But with the podcast. Um, so I've, I've recently set up an Instagram page. So it's, that's just two boys later podcast. Lovely. And then the podcast itself is on Spotify um, iTunes, Google play. So any of the major kind of podcast apps, you'll find it there. If you just Google um, two boys later podcast, it should come up. Hopefully um, it does. But I think I'm up to, just about to release episode nine, I think. Um, yeah, nine it will be. So I'll release that one probably over the weekend. And then I've got the next three or four lined up. So it's good. It's cool kind of booking people in and you get excited about the conversations and kind of mm-hmm. researching. And um, it's just, yeah, a new, a new tool. I hadn't got a clue what I was doing at the start. No idea. Brutal with technology, editing, anything like that. Um, so it was just kind of, I, I remember one day just saying to my wife, I think, I think, yeah, we were sitting at the dinner table. I just said, I think I'm going to start a podcast and in typical Anto fashion about two weeks later, I had everything set up, no clue what I was doing, but just jumped in head first and just thought I'm just doing it now. And, mm-hmm. and that was it. And I haven't looked back. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, it's I can tell already it's going to be something that I'll do for quite a long time. And I think I'll, it'll benefit me greatly as well. Yeah. 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 That's brilliant. Plus you gave me loads of tips as well. Um, yeah. So you've made my transition into doing this a lot easier as well. So uh, I appreciate that also. No, no, that's, it's, it's great. Like, you know, to hear that, hear you say that is, um, yeah, that the, the messages, you know, even after we've done our, podcast you know the the messages that you're sending through and just makes you feel it's just that amazing feeling of you know when you do something for someone else and you you know it's genuinely helped them even if it was just that day you know a little pick me up whatever it is the feeling that you get from helping someone else i reckon that could be an addictive feeling like you know it's it is it's incredible and the idea that you've walked away and someone else feels better because of what you've done or someone else has been helped out because of what you've done. I think that's something when if people actually realize how powerful it is, mm. it'll, um, it'll have a domino effect and everyone will be trying to do everyone else favors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and I will, I I'll link for a link Anto's um, podcast as well in the notes as well. So people can go and find you. Um, and I've, one more question. Yep. What change would you like to see in the world? What change? If you had to pick one, you can do more than one, obviously, but if you had to pick one change you would like to see, what would it be? Let me have a think about this one. Because this is almost like a kind of a change the world question. That's throwing that out there. <laughs> I always like to be left enlightened by the end of the call, so I enjoyed. Oh, I really that, enjoyed this question. That's even more pressure. <laughs> um, I think the biggest change would be for people to not 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 to follow a group. I think so. I think focus on 
what you want as an individual. And I think life would be so much better. And I just think religion kind of springs to mind and I don't want to get into talking about religion, but you know, or groups in general, tell people how to live, try and guide them, live by a certain set of rules, you know, do this, do that. If everyone could just focus on just being nice, (laughs) just be a nice person. Don't worry about all these specific rules that you have to follow and in terms of certain organizations or whatever it is, just try and just think of what feels right at the time. And nine times out of 10, it will probably be the right thing to do. Um, And not follow, don't follow what everyone else is doing like because that's probably our biggest issue in society now is you know with social media there's a lot of negative stuff on there it's easy to get caught up in it it seems like you know people say little things now and they're just attacked from every angle and they might get misinterpreted whatever it is and then you'll just see everyone jump on the same same group you know gang together and pinpoint that one person I just think, yeah, I think if we can all just try and be a little bit nicer, not worry about what everyone else is doing and realize, you know, life is short, try and enjoy your life and not focus on trying to be what you think everyone else wants you to be and just try and be yourself. Is that, is that all right? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> That's amazing, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. It was I no, really, really enjoyed it. this. It was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, no, I loved it, mate. Anytime, anytime at all. Awesome. Cool. Anthony Cooley, thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Thank you so much for listening to Trust Your Body podcast. If you found the episode valuable, please share it with friends and family and please leave us a review on iTunes. It would be awesome if you could take a screen cap and tag me on Instagram at Anthony underscore Claffy. Again, thank you so much. And remember, no one knows your body better than you. Trust it.